The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Hi, welcome to the Legal Connection Show. We're here uh, at on Lone Star Radio at noon every Tuesday uh, till one o'clock, and we're uh, here on one hundred four point five and 106.1 FM. You can also get us on um, IRLoneStar.com. You can watch our podcast. And uh, uh, so if you've missed any part of the, the show today, and we have some interesting legal information that we're going to provide for you, that are uh, a lot of stuff that our listeners have asked us about, and we just uh, bring this as a public service, uh, then you can go back and watch the um, a YouTube or an iPod or go to IRLoneStar.com or our Facebook, which is the Legal Connection Show, um, and uh, review it. Uh, today, with my, uh, my name is uh, Tony Sheritz Collins. I'm an attorney here in Texas, and my co-host, uh, Sh- Christine Cheryl Jahani, is going to be with us today uh, via, uh, remotely from her house. Uh, we're social distancing, practicing our, our COVID social distancing today. Um, our topic today is going to be the rights of crime victims versus the civil liberties of presumed innocent accused defendants. And um, it's an an issue that's come up a number of times in my line of work because uh, my uh, clients who are criminal defendants are falsely accused of uh, a sexual assault to uh, their wives, girlfriends, or or various other people that, that may have a motive to lie about uh, an incident uh, to retaliate for money for financial gain uh, for whatever reason it may be and we've got to represent them um, and we have to collect information and there's certain rights that that victims have uh, so their information can't be disclosed rape shield laws and victims right laws there's also there should be rights of the uh, for the accused, I mean, you've got constitutional rights to to get information to defend yourself, and so we're going to talk about uh, sort of that balance between the two today. Um, and I believe we've got Christine on the line. Is that correct, Christine? Yes, Tony, I'm here. Okay, good, good, good. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm doing great. I had a good Thanksgiving. Good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Um, you know, it was so peaceful because we uh, invited everybody over. We we were not practicing social distancing to that extent because it was the Aggie game, and uh, we wanted we had tickets and we wanted to go because you know of course the game we were going to, but we had our family members, and um, everybody sort of backed out. 
<laughs> we had oh, really? one one daughter that was like, nah, I'm not going to come drive down there, you know, from Dallas. And the second one ran late. And the third one said she was going to show up and never did. But my daughter was there with her boyfriend and Jim was there with me. And we had we had so much fun. And, and then Jim's yeah. dad showed up. We watched. He was the valet Victorian of his um, high school in Richardson. Uh, I think there was like uh, nine, 850, 900 people that he graduated in his senior class with. And we watched his um, commencement speech from... Oh, you that's know, neat. It was really fun watching him be able to foresee 40 years in advance. I mean, it was so enlightening to watch him at that age talk about, you know, that what was going to happen in the 2000s and, you know, quotes from Mark Twain. And I was like, wow. You were so, you know, advanced thinking. Um, and so we, I had a lot of fun. What, what did y'all end up doing? Uh, we all got together with uh, with our kids, our, my, my children. You know, I have six children. Yes. And every, Crazy. Everybody was here. Everybody was here except for the one in New York. And um, we just had a, a nice meal and a nice time and just hung out together, played cards, laughed. Fun. Had a great time. Fun. That is what Thanksgiving is for. I had we had fun in our way. We and we we were just you know I went to mass that uh, Thursday morning. I was stunned at how many people showed up for the Thanksgiving mass and and my you know my heart was warmed by it because I didn't think a lot of people would show up because they'd be cooking turkey and stuff. Nope, that place was packed. So um, people wow. are still thanking God for all of the benefits and you know the the blessings that we have. So all right. Yeah. So today we have four segments. We're gonna we're gonna break it down with the rights of crime victims versus the civil liberties of the presumed innocent that we're trying to defend. And um, uh, segment one is gonna be just basically the topic. We're gonna give you a little overview of that. Uh, segment two is gonna be the Texas victims' right laws that. Uh, can be found in um, the Constitution of Texas at Article 1, Section 30, the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure at Chapter 56. If you want to Google that and you're a, a, a victim of, of a crime, you can find out what your rights are there. And uh, briefly, we're going to go over rape shield law since that's kind of why this came up. It was a, a case I was working on um, that where my client was without question falsely accused. Um yeah. Now, section th- segment three is going to be um, HIPAA, the definition, the purpose, and uh, you're going to go over a little bit of that. And since your husband's a doctor and so is mine, uh, we have some insight on HIPAA, and um, hopefully you'll be able to enlighten us for, through your work with Sam and um, your husband, Dr. Sam. And then segment four is really sort of the guts of what we're going to talk about today, and it's the rights of the presumptively accused. And like in the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when right. uh, that, uh, I forgot what the woman's uh, her name. Her name was Blasey Ford. Bla- uh, yes. The psychologist, uh, Christine, or Christine Blasey Ford, who falsely accused him, right? And she had no, you know, it's just a he said, she said. I, I think that she was just uh, the, the Democrats did not want him to be confirmed, and so uh, she stepped up to the plate with her false accusations. And you know, it was proven right and left that she was lying. Uh, but yeah. but look what happened to Brett Kavanaugh. He was drugged through the mud with these false accusations. So um, that's what we have to do all the time when we defend uh, victims that are falsely accused, whether it be a sexual assault, assault, or any other crime where a victim is, uh, where a a person is falsely accused. And um, a lot of, the victim is given so much um, deference (laughs) in our system. And, you know, that's not entirely fair because you've got a person whose name's being slung through the mud and that's, 
until they're proven innocent. And a lot of times it's just a he said, she said, and it's just right. who the jury likes better. And, you know, like we were discussing earlier, I have a client that was accused of super aggravated sexual assault. Um, there was no evidence. There was no DNA evidence. There was nothing that there was a marginal opportunity because it was the daughter of his fiance that she didn't have custody of. Um, but the grandmother wanted to get rid of her having any custody and him having that. She just wanted custody of the baby, uh, the, the five-year-old. And so she, the grandmother planted in the little girl's head that, um, that there was a sexual assault and no evidence supported that. And we had a expert showing that none of the CPS records, you know, supported that, but really the, the system is so skewed against a person that's accused that, um, he was convicted, and we're still fighting that. It was he was convicted on nothing, nothing more than the accusation of a grandmother, and him not being able to confront his the accused, you know, the accuser who was five years old because she was a tender age, and you know that's not right either. There was no evidence. So, right. um, but he was convicted. Um, they had all of these biker guys wearing jackets that showed up. We objected. My expert didn't get to testify because. Um, they said, oh, he didn't fill out the proper paperwork to show that in one of the hospitals where he practiced that he was, um, that, you know, he, he hadn't had it updated for that year or something. And the judge didn't let it in. And then he got a court-appointed appellate attorney who didn't argue any of the the, the error at trial. She just said in, in efficient, um, insufficient uh, 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 ineffective uh, uh, assistance at counsel being me. And the problem was, is that I said, yeah, make me inefficient. I don't, ineffective. I don't care. But um, the, the, the appellate court says basically, unless you're, you've fallen asleep, you know, for the entire trial, you're effective. I yeah, mean, it's almost right. impossible to win on that, that, um, that error. That um, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not going to be reversible here unless you really have something more than that. So we're still fighting it. We're going to do a writ for him and get him out. All right. So let me read a um, a a quote by Alan Dershowitz, who is a Harvard Law professor, uh, Fox contributor. Um, he kind of uh, captures what our show is about today in in basically one paragraph, and it's he, he says it so well. I'm just going to read it. Um, withholding. The name is not fair to the accused, okay? And this came up because I have a case uh, in in court right now where my client was falsely accused of date rape, and the victim alleged that she must have been date raped because she can't remember anything. And um, all of the security video and um, evidence that, that I was able to obtain shows that she was not only conscious, but she invited him. And, and all, the, all the evidence shows that there was not only consent, but she was the aggressor. And so, um, and he was actually the victim in this case, not the other way around. Um, but there's so many laws that protect the victim when they set something up, when they falsely accuse somebody for whatever the motivation is. And in her case, we had maybe 16 different reasons that she was motivated to lie uh, financial gain, you know, trying to get like a Kim Kardashian sex tape, uh, you know, or, or or sex victim type situation where she could get or she could promote her her music that was, you know, going down the toilet kind of thing. So uh, we have a lot of reasons why she lied. Um, 
but uh, we are having problems yeah. getting the information to be able to be um, filed in the court records because victims get so much protection while the accused is slung out there with these false accusations and gets no protection at all. Um, I know, Bonnie. I know. I'm so glad you wanted to do the show on this today because I completely agree with you. That's that's just atrocious. And you were telling me about a situation that happened up in Dallas that had a similar fact pattern. What what happened there? Um, That was Fort Worth, and it was a situation at um, a college over there. And um, basically, this guy and this girl went out together. Um, they were they went out to dinner and went out to hang out where you know some of their local uh, school classmates are and stuff like that. And she drank and she drank way too much. And uh, they had sex, and she didn't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. The next, well, so she started wandering around the campus and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. People were trying to help her. Uh, she would, like, pass out and then wake up. She was just drunk, really, really drunk. Mm-hmm. Didn't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, left school, went back home to her family, and then um, uh, her parents took her phone, and um, I think they decided to file a civil suit. It's interesting because the DA wasn't even interested in the case. Mm-hmm. So now they're filing a civil suit for uh, against the, uh, the guy that she had sex with that he thought was consensual. Okay, and um, and then again, this is a, 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 a this happens in colleges all the time, and we were we were discussing how I have a, you know a son, and you have several sons, and anybody that's got a son, it, it could be a he said she said situation where yeah. uh, the girl could get mad, like happens yeah. a lot in with when I get the defendants that come to me to represent them. You've got a, a, an ex fiance an estranged wife, maybe a wife. Somebody that finds right. out about a a sexual encounter of some kind and wants to retaliate um, to get the the man in trouble because they're mad. They're mad that they've been uh, disrespected. Exactly. So they mm-hmm. call the police and make a false accusation, whether it be sexual mm-hmm. or regular assault, and it happens a lot. And then they mm-hmm. may want to recant, and then uh, you know a lot of times that may work. Uh, there's a, a whole procedure in recanting if the person decides that they've been punished enough because the control is now on the person that's making the false accusation because they know they have so much power. Uh, but a lot of times they can't recant either because the prosecutor's like, uh, they truly believe it happened, and they're going after it for the win. And so, you know, it's really, really bad when these things happen. And I don't know what, you know, what demon is in these these girls when they make the false accusations. And they certainly hurt true victims, people that are uh, sexually assaulted, sexually right. harassed. Right. Uh, and and you know when that happens, and it's true. And and you and I have probably, I know I have experienced to some degree uh, sexual harassment. Uh, and mm-hmm. to some extent, sexual assault, whether it be with, you know, uh, you know, uh, some a dating situation or somebody that, uh, you know, or whatever the case may be, to some limited yeah. degree, we've all been exposed to unwanted sexual uh, uh, advances. And mm-hmm. uh, and so and we know that we want to be taken seriously as a victim if we're going to the extent that we're going to report it. But I'm, we're talking today about the, the, the actual alleged victims that are making it up. And they've got a different right. motivation. And so what Dershowitz says is um, that, with, uh, according to Alan Dershowitz, the Harvard Law School professor, withholding the name of the victim not only further stigmatizes rape, it also 
endangers the civil liberties of those who are accused for two reasons. One, it implies that the unnamed person was indeed a victim. And two, hinders the presumption that the defendant is innocent. Um, and he goes on to quote, People who have gone to the police and publicly invoked the criminal process and accused somebody of, serious, of a serious crime, such as rape, must be identified. In this country, there is no such thing and should not be such a thing as an anonymous accusation. If your name is in court, it is a logical extension that it should be printed in the media. How can you publish the name of a, a presumptively innocent accused but not name the accuser? Likewise, um, the person that wrote this article states that the alleged victim should be treated journalistically in the same way as the accused. For example, because William Kennedy Smith's reputation became a matter of debate and scrutiny, the accuser should be in a comparable position. And um, and I won't read further in this article, but basically— That um, is so true. That is so true, Tony. Yeah. Uh, his his uh, reputation became a matter of debate, yes. but the accuser— was really elevated above him, right. no matter how prestigious this guy was, because right. the uh, the accuser was cloaked in secrecy. Right, right, and it was, and it, ultimately he was acquitted of the rape. But for I know for ten years, um, uh, I remember thinking this guy raped this girl. He was horrible. I mean, he he very well may have after everything. This, it was such a taint that I still believe he probably raped this girl, even though I wasn't really? in trial. I didn't get all the information because. His name was was drugged through the mud for so long, and the same thing happened with Brett Kavanaugh. A lot of right. people still believe that he um, had some uh, sexual encounter that wasn't consented to by this mm-hmm. psychologist, uh, Blasey Ford, or whatever her name was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, after watching all of the proceedings, I don't believe it happened. I think that his reputation um, was pristine. And um, it was unlikely. I mean, his reputation got drawn out, but you couldn't bring all of her information out. And right. uh, again, that's uh, just like the case you were talking about in Fort Worth. Um, this crime victim has a lot of rights, and um, it really should be. If the name is going to be brought out in court anyway, and that uh, uh, with the the Sixth Amendment right to confrontation in the U- U.S. Constitution, and then there's one that's similar to it in the Texas Constitution. Um, since it's going to come out anyway, if you're going to make that accusation, why are you embarrassed about it? If you're the victim, you shouldn't be embarrassed at all. I was raped. This guy is bad, and I want to tell the world about how bad it was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it may be an embarrassment, and it happened, but but stuff like that does happen. So, um, so anyway, with the particular case that I that that's I agree completely with what Alan Dershowitz says in his quotes, and you know the support that that came with this this article that I read, and it, it's called it's a law review article. It's a good article. It's called The Privacy Rights of uh, Rape Victims. If you want to Google it, you can bring it up. Um, Alan Dirchwitz's name, he, he, put, he um, supplied a lot of information to it. Um, he goes on to say that um, it's the, uh, it's, uh, uh, I don't want to say this, the uncomfortable position of naming the accused when it was not naming the accuser um, it is really bad. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And how does our country create so many 
rapist is what it says when the, the reality is they're creating a lot of rapists when rapes really didn't happen. There was a consensual mm-hmm. sexual encounter, like in the instance with the case that I'm representing my defendant on, um, mm-hmm. where you've actually got witnesses that show where she flirted obnoxiously on the um, the, the video security camera. She was flirting. She was going after him. He left. She followed him. She stalked him. She came back. You can see her touching them and trying to get his attention. She follows him. And then she actually says, come um, come on, babe, and, and come up you know, to my room with me, basically. And, um, and then she said, well, I don't remember any of that. But we have cell phone records, and we're going to get into that a little bit, that show that, that she was completely conscious and aware of everything that she was doing on top of the video evidence. And um, the, the reason that I even, this is even part of the, you know, my foray that's in the forefront. I usually don't bring all my cases up like this. But the grand jury indicted my client based with no information, with nothing, with everything supporting that, that he, this was not a rape. It was completely consensual. And that, that there wasn't any, even a sexual encounter. Uh, there was no sexual intercourse. And so uh, when I asked the prosecutor in Harris County, how did that, why was there an indictment? She said, well, they said they'd seen and heard enough. And I said, well, did you show them the video? She said, no, they didn't even want to see the, the security videos, which is the entire case. The security videos show an hour worth of this girl flirting and talking and it even shows her signing off on her receipt and and calculating the tip and handing it over it shows that she's completely conscious she knows what she's doing and and her only argument was i couldn't remember anything so i couldn't have consented to him coming up to my room and that's a lie and we we were able to prove we got all of her cell phone records which um we're going to talk about today a little bit later i'm going to get to it i promise um cell phone records are not um they, there's no privacy rights to your cell phone records. Um, they, they, a case came out in Texas recently through the Texas Supreme Court that shows that uh, the police don't have to get a warrant for your cell phone records. And because you entered a contract with the cell phone company, they can use your cell phone records um, to, um, to, you know, as evidence against you. And a, a seminal case is um, Ford versus State, which is found at 477 Southwest 3rd. 321. It's a Texas case. Um, I believe it was 2016 um, Court of Appeals case. And basically, um, this guy Ford was accused of murdering his girlfriend on Christmas Eve. And um, they were at a party and there was no evidence whatsoever that that supported that he murdered her other than his cell phone record showing that he was at he could have been him and a number of other people were could have been at the right place at the right time for her to have been murdered. And he was convicted. And the um, appellate court, and it was confirmed by the Supreme Court, said their only argument, their only um, a reversible error was that his cell phone records should not have come in and they should not have been used to show that there was any evidence. And right. The, and the Texas Supreme Court said, no, cell phone records are not private. And so they can come in, and they don't need a warrant, and you can get them. And I did the same thing, and you, which you should do as a good criminal defense attorney. I got the cell phone records of this alleged victim, and it shows that she's lying. I mean, we got all the cell phone records, and um, it was great. And she still, he, my, my guy still got indicted, which means we've got to go to trial with this. Um, it's, it's really a sad situation that he said, she said situation where you've got so much evidence to even show that there's no probable cause and it still gets indicted. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to file a um, motion to ask for what was presented to the grand jury. And I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. Okay. Segment two, 
I don't even know how much time we have. It looks like, oh, good, segment two. Uh, We're about 20 minutes in. I think we we can cover this briefly. Um, Tell me this. What do you know about uh, Texas victims' rights in Texas? I mean, that's a pretty broad, that's a pretty broad topic, but um, I know that victims have rights to uh, speak in court, in open court, make speeches. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they play videos, you know, of their loved one and all cry, you know, (laughs) when they, where there's a conviction, but victims have a right to be heard. Victims have a ton of rights, and where you find those rights are in the Texas Constitution at Article 1, Section 30. Just Google it if you're a victim. Really, if you truly are a victim of a crime, um, go to the Texas Constitution, and it lists all of your rights, and I'm going to go over some of them briefly. You can also find more specific rights in the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure at Chapter 56, and it's got a litany of of different rights that are available to victims, and I'm going to go over them, a few of those, so if you are a victim, you can see what your rights are, too. And also, there's rape shield laws for sexual assault victims. And these rights are really strong for victims. The problem is these rights are really strong, and they are against the falsely accused. And so victims that make false allegations, um, they can protect and hide their identity while making the false accusations for a, a litany of reasons, and in, in this particular case, um, well, we know that the reason that this gal made false allegations against my guy was she wanted um, to get money from the Texas Compensation Fund. Up, you can get up to $25,000 from the state if you're a victim. It doesn't take much. Really? You fill out a form. That's all you do is you fill out a form, and you send it to the attorney general, and uh, you can get all kinds of medical care, therapeutic care at, you know, $200 an hour. It's paid for all that you're, you're – if, if you're a therapist that has a friend that, and that therapist needs some money, um, then you get your friend to cry wolf, and then you just they just send their bill over to the state, and it gets paid for. Um, they Their name uh, – it's almost – I don't want to say it's impossible. You can't um, disclose a lot of stuff about the victim, which you're going to go over, which is really, really bad because for the, if, if, these, these rape cases and sexual assault cases and even um, assault cases uh, that aren't sexually related, it can be um, a man to a man. You know, it's any sort, type of victim. Um, these cases can go on for years where someone's falsely accused in the victim's name. Uh, can't be if they if they ask to be anonymous it won't come up and so these people can yeah. be professional victims they're suing people in in civil court just like you were saying um, mm-hmm. of course they've waived their privilege if they sue them in civil court but if they want to uh, basically blackmail them then they basically make an allegation and it go in the, the law enforcement has to pick it up or then they're going to get raked over the coals for for not, you know, uh, being, uh, I guess, sensitive to a victim and not the uh, victim. And looking at all the different, uh, you know, to find out like that, that case where the guy in Chicago said that, you know, he had a noose around his, what was the guy's name? He was in Game of Thrones or something. Oh, I can't remember. And what happened to him? Remember the guy that was in Chicago that made up that he was uh, attacked by Trump supporters and, Oh, yes, yes. I can't remember yeah. what his name was right off. But, you know, that was clearly a false accusation. And uh, mm-hmm. because he he did it really, I think, for promotional purposes to get, you know, Trump in trouble or Trump supporters in trouble or, you know, whatever his motivations were, uh, he should have been uh, – uh, charges should have been filed for perjury. And in Texas, mm-hmm. um, 
you, if, if it's determined that someone has made, made a false allegation, they will, if, it, if it's definitive, they will charge uh, them with, uh, I had a case here, where they will charge them with uh, perjury. Uh, here's one. It says, um, false rape or sexual assault claims uh, are, a, are a felony charge. And uh, in this particular case, it says, um, up in Sherman, Texas, a 19-year-old, 19-year-old, Brianna Rachel Harmon stood up before the 59th Judicial District Court bench, pled guilty to filing a false rape claim back in March of 2017. Um, Harmon was indicted on two counts of tampering with physical evidence and one count of tampering with the government record for making the false report. These three felonies are all three third-degree felonies under the Texas Penal Code. She was indicted on a state jail felony count alleging tampering with the government record and a Class B misdemeanor charge. Um, the reports, this is, this is really sad, though. She got this guy in trouble, you know, claiming a false rape. It says she's taking a plea as a result of plea negotiations in Grayson County. A sentencing, sentencing was set in 2018. The reports are that she won't see jail time. Either she will opt out on a regular probation or she'll get a deferred and it won't even show up on her record. And so, really, you get a slap on the wrist for making false rape allegations, but you've ruined someone's life. And, uh, you know, it's really yeah. a sad situation. But here, yeah. here are the rights of those people that make false allegations. Um, a crime victim, and, and really for the rights of people that make legitimate allegations too, but right now I'm just, I'm, I'm, um, I've got a tainted position on it because I've seen so many women that are just mad at their, for whatever reason, they're, they've got an, another motive, whether it be to extort their employer. Uh, in this case, that's what it was. Um, this gal was mad that her employer didn't let her off early during uh, a, a tropical storm. And so she wanted to get paid time off. And uh, she blamed her boss uh, and, you know, kind of trumped it up, basically, uh, that he didn't let her go early enough. And so she got stuck in a flood and had to go to a hotel. And she was raped. And then she discloses this in all of her text records. And she wanted to get three months' time off. Uh, she wanted, I think she was extorting him. I think she wanted to sue the hotel because she had worked at a number of high-end hotels. And um, yeah. and she may have sued all the other hotels before because she got, uh, from what I could see, she got fired or let go or she did, worked at each one of them for a number of time and they didn't work there anymore. Really, really high-end luxury hotels. Um, no one would ever know that she ever uh, would have, could have filed any sexual harassment or you know, charged with the police because the victim's names are protected and much more so in other states and all of the other hotels were in different states. Um, Texas is, has a lot of victims' rights, but they don't go so far as to completely shield the victim when, uh, for the very reason that there's false allegations made. Now, um, the Constitution says a crime victim has the following rights. The right to be treated with fairness and with respect for the victim's dignity, dignity and privacy throughout the criminal justice process, and the right to be reasonably protected from the accused throughout the criminal justice process. All right, that's really mm -hmm. the best in a nutshell. What Texas does, if you try to bring up that um, the uh, alleged victim, um, you know, basically is a prostitute and she's just claiming rape because, uh, you know, she's trying to 
she's a teenager that's making money on the side or whatever the case may be. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. She's, uh, you know, dating an older guy and her parents are against it. And she's claiming rape because they're telling her that to preserve the, the you know, their, I guess the integrity of their family and uh, in the public that she needs to claim that she's going to get kicked out or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm just kind of making that up because I've seen that happen before. They're saying that you can't bring up her past behavior uh, you can't bring up her Facebook post where she's, you know, advertising and soliciting and, you know, uh, basically uh, selling herself. Uh, they're saying that the right to be cheated with fairness and with respect for the victim's dignity and privacy throughout the criminal justice process is going to prevent the falsely accused from bringing up their bad behavior that they've posted on social media. Um there's ways to get around that. I think that they've already waived that if they have to post it on their social media themselves, scantily clad yeah. and, and bragging about the extortion and that kind of thing. I mean, that's an admission. Um, but if they think right. they'll go just, just so far, but they won't brag about it, but they'll talk about it. And I don't think that that's going to be that different from the Paris Hilton tapes, that kind of thing where, oh, I'm a poor victim, but look at my look at my tape and buy it, you know, and make me famous. So, right. um, so they yeah, use that, but there's some counters to that, too. Uh, another right is on the request of the crime victim, the crime victim has the following rights. The right to the notification of court proceedings. The right to be present at all court proceedings related to the offense unless the victim is to testify and the court determines that the victim's testimony would be materially affected if the victim hears other testimony at the trial. In other words, um, as the criminal defense attorney, I would invoke the rule that the alleged victim would not be able to sit in and listen to the entire trial because she would be able to pick up on what they're lying about it. And when she testified, she'd be able to support that lie. That's what the rule basically says other witnesses can't be in the courtroom at the same time as somebody else that's going to testify. So they can't corroborate a lie. Okay. Right. Um, right. The victim also has the right to confer with the representative of the prosecutor's office. The prosecutor's office almost sort of represents the victim in a sense that they're kind of telling them what to do. Many victims, particularly if they've lied, will get their own attorney because because they need to protect themselves. And they really, when a subpoena is issued for their information, their own attorney will try to quash that information so that the defense attorney can't get it. Um, in my case, the prosecutor um, didn't quash my information, but told me that I wouldn't be able to get the medical information uh, because it has to be released through HIPAA by the, the victim has to sign a release unless the unless it was sent to the state and I agreed that they could have a protective order. And the protective order for a criminal defense attorney basically uh, kind of uh, runs like this. Uh, the state says, yeah, we'll let you get the medical evidence because you need it for your defense, but you've got to agree to the judge granting a protective order that you can only use it um, for purposes of th this, uh, of litigating and defending this case. And it can't, uh, other than that, it, it can't be made public. All right. And mm -hmm. what, how that hurts your falsely accused is um, if you've agreed to that, and it's the only way you can get the medical information. You, the, the 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 victim you find out lies, but that information can't be made public until the trial. And if you're falsely accused, can't stomach going you know several years until trial, or can't afford an attorney that's going to bring that forward, then they never get to see that the alleged victim lied. 
uh, on the reports that information doesn't come forward. And so, you know, uh, it, it's kind of That's sad. Terrible. It is terrible, but, but the, the victim is protected again. And it's because sometimes you've got, uh, you know, some salacious information that comes out about the victim. Be, you know, I, I don't know what it would be. It seems to me that that information, if, if my accused information is to come out, then the information about that victim gets to come out. It's usually a guy to a girl. It can be the other way around. It can be a guy to a guy. But um, it's just like I, we said earlier that, you know, how what Alan Dershowitz said, if it's going to come out, it's going to come out in trial anyway, it may as well come out when it comes out. You know, it shouldn't be a privately held thing. Um, yeah. The victim also has the right to restitution, which a lot of times is a motivating factor. The victim may come forward because they want the victim's assistance compensation fund. Maybe they there's a uh, a uh, you know like on the billboards they they'll get a, a GoFundMe page or they'll get somebody to put up a lot of money if they turn a victim in and they want to get that money for turning somebody in. There's there's a financial motivation yeah. for a right. victim to falsely accuse somebody. And then mm-hmm. um, if they have anything, it may come forward and they'll get money even if it's the wrong person. Um, or they set it up. A lot of times people are set up in this situation, and it's, a, I, I want to say, my, almost like a sting operation. Um, uh, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is when you get those shows like on, you know, the ID channel where they've set up a, a phony sting where yeah. uh, the same thing could happen here. If you've got a couple of people that want to get someone in trouble, they'll say, hey, let's call sexual assault and uh, to get someone in trouble so you can get money out of it to extort them or you'll get the restitution or you'll get this uh, crime victim, uh, 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 crime stoppers money, right? Yeah. Now, uh, isn't that what happened with the lacrosse boys like 10 or 15 years ago? Remember those lacrosse players that were yes. accused and it came out later that it was all made up? Yeah, I think that is what happened. And it's just, it's the same thing. It's so... And I'm just going to throw this in in case we don't hit on it, you know, later on in this, this show. Um, people get falsely accused of sexual assault, your victim, and they, 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 they blow it off. They're like, there's no way I would ever do that to my stepdaughter. Absolutely right. not. I would never touch my ex-wife. I don't even like her. I can't believe I ever married her. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way that I had anything to do with that kid. I, would, there, I could never, there was just no, uh, you know, I wouldn't do that. I had no opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. Take these these accusations must be taken completely seriously. If they put you, if they if you can if they can if the other side can show opportunity, and they may have set you up. That's all it takes for a conviction. He said, yeah. she said, a really cute victim who's making it all up because they're pretty little liars, mm-hmm. and um, and a guy that may have a, a history of fighting. Uh, may not be here legally, may be, you know, fat, may be not as cute and attractive, may not be a debutante, may not come, be come from a rich family. It, the jury yeah. is just going to see this cute little Pollyanna uh, that's a pretty little liar, and they're going to they're going to convict just by sight. And um, it's really sad because you find out later after your voir dire that people have lied. You know, you get them on the jury, and they've lied about you know, uh, whether they've been raped or not in the past, and they're automatically going to come. They're already biased toward your accused, your defendant, 
the person you represent, and you don't find out later. And so you've got to go through all this stuff on appeal. And your client all along was saying, this is an easy case. They tell you, oh, this is an easy case. This shouldn't cost, and they get mad at you. They're like, why should I pay you all this money? This is a, this is a slam dunk. And I'm like, yeah, then no. I'm not going to take the case because you know as an attorney that this case is going to take so much time and so much mm-hmm. effort because you're mm-hmm. trying to get all these records from someone that you know is lying because they've already told you they're lying. And then little by little, you find out that your client has minimized their participation in this event. It may not have been a rape or sexual assault, but they may have dated the person. They may have angered them somehow. They may have met them, you know, through social media and there's, there's some connection. And then you find out that they've, oh my gosh, that they've talked to the police because they think it's no big deal. And, Everything you say can and will be held against you. The very first rule of thumb for all people that are accused is say nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't care if the police are like, well, you're not talking. No. Blame it on your attorney, even if you don't have one yet. Say nothing. Right. You've got a Fifth Amendment right to, to say nothing. Because mm-hmm. you may say something in passing that be twisted and be used against you. Anyway, uh, that's going to be in our next segment. Another right of the crime victim is the right to information about the conviction, the sentence, imprisonment, and release of the accused. And this is really sad. You'll get somebody falsely accused and then convicted on false information, and then this this pretty little liar is sitting back and they're getting their their you know their hands are like, yeah, I get the right to make sure that. And then they're it's like a pity party. Like, look what happened to me, and they made it up. It's yeah. just really, it's really pathetic. Um, mm-hmm. But they get the, 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 the rights to conviction, sentence, imprisonment, and release of the accused. Um, the legislature may enact laws to define the term victim and to enforce these and other rights of crime victims. Uh, another right is the state, through its prosecuting attorney, has the right to enforce the rights of crime victims. They don't have to, but they can step in and help the crime victim, and they do a lot, particularly in Harris County. Um, uh, they'll get you a U visa even if the other party has lied uh, because they re- it's really kind of sad. A lot of times they just want the win. I will say this, though. I'm working with a couple of prosecutors right now in Harris County that um, they they seem to be very, very fair. They're looking at it from the vantage point that, you know, they're helping me collect information, even though I can't use a lot of it uh, because of the victim's rights and, and what I have to uh, to keep undercover uh, not in the particular case I'm talking about right now, but in some other cases, they seem to be, uh, you know, it depends on the particular prosecutor. Some of them are very fair-minded, and some of them just want to have a win, you know, on their belt. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't know who that's going to be until you start working on it. But all you can do is just fight like a banshee uh, because this is war. And you're polite, but you fight. And people out there that are uh, falsely accused, uh, get yourself an attorney that's going to fight politely and and t- will take no prisoners. Because if you don't have somebody that's up there that's going to object to everything and fight for you, um, the smallest thing can be uh, the difference between whether you're going to end up in prison or not on something a false accusation. Um, right. Okay, there's statutes. I'm going to skip over this real quick. There's statutes in um, the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure under Chapter 56, and it's the rights of crime victims. And uh, you want to read that if you're a crime victim. You want to read that if you're falsely accused to see what these victims' rights are. Um, uh, I will just kind of hit on some of the the uh, finer things that we ha- that aren't covered by the Constitution. Um, uh, what I did learn is that uh, the well, here I'll just kind of hit uh, on some of the. Uh, I learned that uh, a victim's phone number 
even though it doesn't have to be redacted in most cases, that phone number must be redacted in a sexual assault case before something can be filed. And I did not know that. It's not a HIPAA rule. It's in uh, the crime rights victims under uh, the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure 56.09. And the reason that's important is because uh, cell phone records are open play that you can get to them and they can be used against the victim and they can be used against pretty much anybody. Cell phone records are really, really important and there's no privacy in them. But if you're going to use them against a sexual assault crime victim, uh, you have to redact at least a part of the phone number out from the records. And as a criminal defense attorney, that's a lot of work trying to redact out uh, that information. But I've done it and I've got a, yeah. a, a really expensive program that does it. Yeah, it's... Um, uh, the victim's right to privacy, as far as reasonably practical, the address of the victim may not be a part of the court file except, except as necessary to identify the place of the crime. The phone number of the victim may not be a part of the court file. That's black and white statutory information for victims' rights. Um, that is not, it is nowhere else in the, the code as far as redaction, but you do have to minimally redact part of the phone number out, even if you have phone records that you want to file. Um, but go to um, Chapter 56 if you're a, a victim of crime, and it's going to tell you what all your rights are. If you're a legitimate victim, you do want to find out what your rights are. And if you're if your attorney, that you, if you hire one, or if the prosecutor, or if, uh, you're, if your advocate doesn't tell you all this, then be proactive and go read them for yourself because um, there are a lot of people out there that are crime victims. I've been a crime victim before. I would like to know what my rights were. I would have certainly uh, benefited by knowing that before I went to law school or looked this up. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is, uh, I also want to go over briefly rape shield laws. Uh, what th That's kind of a, a broad uh, topic, but rape shield laws are laws that protect the victim's sexual history from coming out and being disclosed in court and you can't even bring them up unless you ask the judge um, in advance um, to make sure that a particular incident come, come in because they they are hearsay exceptions and they are essential to the defense of your client for an example uh, your uh, client uh, the accuser is a prostitute typically that wouldn't even come in but it should come in if that's what they do as a line of work. And this was something that was, it was a sting operation and your client was brought in, you know, uh, they were entrapped, let's say, by the state. Well, certainly that should come in. So that's the kind right. of, but that's what the rape shield laws do. Okay. What do you know about in our HIPAA uh, in general? Uh, tell me what you know about HIPAA. Uh, well, I know a lot about HIPAA. Um, I've, I know a lot. I mean, I've been a HIPAA compliance officer. I put together policies and procedures and protocols for medical offices. Okay, what is HIPAA? HIPAA you know? HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And the one thing that I do know about HIPAA is that nobody understands HIPAA. Doctors <laughs> don't understand it. Nurses don't understand it. No one understands HIPAA. Basically, HIPAA gives the patient the right to go get their medical records mm -hmm. from physicians offices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. physicians offices and medical uh, hospitals and stuff have always maintained that those records of that patient are their uh, the physician's property not oh. the patient's okay. property mm -hmm. it is hard and to get so, your medical records yes you're right well so HIPAA came around that guaranteed that uh 
you you could request your it's really just about getting your medical records but everybody thinks it's turned into all of this privacy this privacy that and yeah. there's no cause of action with hipaa yeah people say you violated hipaa well you know who cares maybe a medical office can be fined because they're not giving that patient their medical records after mm-hmm. six requests mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but HIPAA is not a cause of action. People don't understand it. Right. There are um, HIPAA, uh, Bill Clinton sent, uh, 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 signed into law uh, back in 1996 some, uh, yes. imp- some laws that protected health information. I think that's where some of the confusion lies. And well, that, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And under U.S. law, any information about health status, provision of health care, or payment for health care that is created or collected by a covered entity, or meaning um, meaning you, your covered entity, or a business associate of a covered entity, can be linked and can be linked to a specific individual, let's just say you, or let's say the victim of a, a false uh, you know, rape or whatever. Um, this right. is interpreted rather broadly and includes any part of a patient's medical record or payment history. Um, that's protected. And so that's where you get into, oh, HIPAA violation. If, if you release somebody's, um, you know, a victim's statement about their health and you can't, you know, introduce that. And so really what happens is um, if you have an, uh, and this came up in my case, I have an expert report that shows that uh, all of the DNA evidence, uh, DNA evidence uh, from the labs and the medical records supports that no rape occurred. In fact, this girl was actually having sex with a, an individual that wasn't her husband and wasn't the person, my client either. Um, and that showed up in the records and she's fighting and the state is fighting tooth and nail to keep that out. And they're saying, Oh, HIPAA violation, HIPAA violation. And that's in my expert report. But if your expert report only uses initials and can't specifically, um, doesn't link the specific victim to the report, then that's how you get around it. You're able to follow your report and get it in as long as your expert and that way, your doctor, your husband, my husband, doesn't get in trouble if they're an expert, uh, or your expert doesn't get in trouble by uh, disclosing information. And the same thing goes for my cell phone expert, who you know completely uncovered all of the uh, the, the lies that this girl told told with her cell phone record, showing um, that there was just a litany of lies. And um, because cell phone information about the alleged victim can't come out, you just have to go in and redact part of the phone number out. And it's a lot of work, but it's certainly worth it if you want to um, put into, uh, if you want to sort of, uh, not even sort of, if you want to protect the, uh, or mitigate the damages caused by the false accusation by the alleged victim of your client right. who's falsely accused, right. okay, because they have rights mm-hmm. too. Now, um, segment four, and I'm glad that we got to this. I'll get, I have just enough time to kind of hit some of the finer points of it. They're the rights of the presumptively accused, which is really what this whole show was about for me. Um, they, um, you know, a person is innocent until proven guilty, and that's, that's all the way to the time of trial. And that was like with the right. William Kennedy Smith case and with Brett Kavanaugh, although it was like a trial, he was just going through his you know, proceedings to be confirmed on the Supreme Court. Um, it, it, it's across the board that the, the Constitution provides that you are innocent to proven guilty and you have many, many rights that are afforded you as a, an accused. And they're found in the U.S. Constitution and they're also found under the Texas Constitution. That's why when you have a constitutional when you have a, a, a violation of your constitutional rights after you've been found guilty, there is going to be reversible error. And that's why you've got, 
you know, um, I'm trying to think of all the different constitutions where where somebody's um, guilty verdict was reversed uh, because of a constitutional violation. The first one that comes to mind is uh, Miranda rights. I mean, that was uh, Arizona versus yeah. uh, Miranda. And then it went Miranda. to the so that was that, that that was a constitutional case. You've got almost any case where you it's got a name to it. It's like it's, it has to do with a constitutional violation that was um, later. Uh, they they found that the constitution was violated. Therefore, because your rights were violated, your your uh, guilty plea won't stick, and you get to go back to trial, or it's it's reversed, right? Well, you can also go to the so you go to your your constitutional rights. You look at that to see if any of your rights were breached, and everybody knows they're like, you know, Fourth Amendment rights, your Fifth Amendment right. You weren't uh, your you um, that's your right to not um, to remain silent. Your Sixth Amendment right to uh, to be able to con- to confront your the witnesses, the the accuser against you. Uh, Fourth Amendment rights uh, that all the time when you have policemen that stop you and they they get evidence that needs to be suppressed because they didn't properly obtain the evidence with a warrant. With, uh, you know, right. they, they, for all the reasons that those are constitutional violations, they get it. That's why it's like, oh, my constitutional rights were violated. So your constitutional rights may be violated. You, the first thing you want to look at um, is, is is read those rights if you have been falsely accused. They're also found in the Texas Constitution under Article 1, Section 10. Those are all of your rights as an individual if you've been falsely accused. Um, you've also got rights under the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, Article 105. And those rights for individual individual are they're the rights of the accused. That's actually what it's called. Um, they are the right for, to a formal written statement by the defendant responding to a civil complaint, if it's a civil complaint, uh, setting forth the grounds for the defense, the right to imp- evidence, information presented in testimony or in documents that are used to persuade the fact finder, judge or jury, to decide whether a case for once uh, decide for one case or another. And that goes to everything you do as a criminal defense attorney. You're trying to get evidence in that shows that that you have a defense. And in this case, in, for sexual assault, uh, in, in the particular case that we were talking about today, it's that there was the defense's consent, um, absolute consent. Um, so so um, anyway, uh, I think we've gone over most of our rights. I want you to go to Texas Code of Criminal Procedure 1.05. You'll see what all your rights are. Um, uh, Dick was telling me that we have to wind up for today so we can continue this in a part two uh, uh, next week. Uh, please uh, watch our show. We want to, uh, uh, on YouTube, you know, you always do our closing better. What is our closing, Cheryl? Okay, uh, you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us live, but you can watch us later, too. So watch us on YouTube. You can download the podcast with Google Play and iTunes. And, um... Thanks for listening. We want to remind you always to serve God by serving others. Have a great week. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoy today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.